0: So here we are, this is actually week 33 of the study of Hebrews, and we find ourselves in chapter 11, this amazing study on faith. And so let's start with verse 1, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So by way of quick review, because we really covered this close last week, or thoroughly last week. By way of review, faith is confidence in what is unseen, God, to the exclusion of what is seen. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Corinthians. He's dealing with much the same thing as we're dealing with in Hebrew. He says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light in momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes uh, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And so faith... The simplest definition is fixing your eyes on what is unseen, keeping your focus on God, His kingdom, His ways, His Messiah, and not on what is seen. And that's everything that we see, of course. And we all have faith in some measure. But you know something? Faith waxes and wanes. It's like the moon. It's always either waxing or waning. One of the things that makes faith grow it's something we talked about last week. When we gather together, when we share with each other the things that God has done and is doing in our lives, whether we, whether we recount the things that He has done for us as in our testimony or we read things that are recorded in Scripture that He has done, those things increase our faith. But I'm going to tell you today that faith has a sure way of increasing. It can be done all by yourself. You don't need a testimony. You don't even need a Bible. Faith, we are told by Paul, begins this way. In chapter 10, verse 16, he says, But not all Israelites accepted the good news, for as Isaiah says the Lord, Lord who has believed our message. Consequently, faith comes through hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of God. Now, interestingly enough, the word for word in that passage is not logos, as it's customarily used for the written word, but it's rhema, which means sayings, or as we can see from the definition that I put up here, utterance. So it's by the spoken word. And it's used most often by the spoken word. Words that are spoken by men. I'm going to give you an example here. In Luke chapter 20, verse 26, it says, And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. You see, it most often means words that are spoken words. And so here we can take it to mean not just the word of God, the written word, but also the sayings of God or the spoken word of God. Faith comes through hearing the spoken words of God. And in this tr- case, it's translated word. And so we automatically think written word. But it more than likely means sayings or spoken words. So it could be a personal word from God. Hearing God speak to you directly, that brings about faith. And let me tell you something. It's a faith that you cannot duplicate any other way in this age. Let me give you an example from my 24 years, uh, 24 years ago. I wish I was 24 years for my 24 years. (laughs) 24 years ago, I went to Israel. And God spoke to me as I sat on a bench on the temple mount. He said, go down from this mountain and preach John 4, 23. A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now I want, you to, I want, to, I want to say that over the years I have been doing this work at Sar Shalom. There have been some fierce attacks come against Sar Shalom and my faith. And with each one of those Those words of God kept coming back to me. I knew no matter what happened, God had told me to do what I was doing. And he he would take care of it. I didn't have to worry about it. Right? It was hearing the word of God that gave me the greatest faith. Not just that, but there's no other way that I could have received the assurance that I had to stand in the... And in the face of the kinds of adversity that I stood against, there's no other way. And if you look at your life, you're going to find the same thing if you have heard from God like that. And if you haven't heard from God like that, then you need to get into a study. You need to learn how to hear from God like that. It's really simple. You just get away, pray and listen. Because there's a real confidence in hearing his voice. Having his spirit touch you in a real and tangible way. And so I want you to understand that I believe that Paul meant the spoken word of God, not just the written word. And when the writer of Hebrews speaks of faith, I believe that this is in his mind as well. And the writer of Hebrews is going to make a point of this. He's going to devote a whole chapter with back-to-back examples of faith in exactly this way so that we are sure that we understand that faith comes through literally hearing the voice or the words of God. You know, this chapter is often referred to as the hall of fame of faith. Because, and each one of these men has something in common. There's one thing in common through with all of these men. One thing that gave them great faith. The great faith that it took to do the things that they did. To wind up on these pages in the book of Hebrews as part of the hall of fame of faith. And so let's read of the first one. It says, by faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than did Cain. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. Let's reason this out, because this is a great example of what the author means By hearing, or this word, rhema, the rhema of God. This is at a time, hey, there's no written Torah. There's no tablet with instructions on offerings. Which offering would would be better? Which offering would be more pleasing to God? How did Abel know his offering would please God? Or we could say, would be what God desired? Well, it says, by faith. And Paul says, faith comes by hearing. And so we can understand the verse this way. Through hearing God, Abel offered a better sacrifice than did Cain. It says by faith, and faith comes through hearing. Abel's offering was better. It was better because of his faith. Because as the writer of Hebrew points out, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I mean, how can you please God if you don't know what pleases God? Right? Abel was a man who had relationship with God. He heard what to offer, and he was obedient. And Cain, he either did not have faith, he did not hear from God, or he did not do what he heard. He did not obey. We can assume that Abel had relationship with God with God, and that relationship, we're told in this verse, lasted beyond death. Verse 10 says, The Lord said, what, you, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And so we learn from the Torah that there's life after death and that Abel received that life through faith because of his faith, his hearing, his relationship with God, his offering was better. And we know for a fact that there's life after death because after death, his blood, his life cried out to God. Let me tell you something. Relationship with God is something that survives even death. And now the author does not leave us with just one witness of what he's trying to get across. He now speaks of Enoch in chapter 5. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God and without faith, It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How do you suppose he rewards those who earnestly seek him? He answers them. Amen? He speaks to them. Again, there was nothing written here on how to please God. There was no new novel that just came out on how to please God. No lectures to attend. So how did Enoch know how to please God? What was it about his life that pleased God? How does the writer say, we please God? Faith comes through faith. We please God. And faith comes through hearing. There was no book of Hebrews with the Hall of Fame of Faith for for Enoch to read. So where did he receive his faith? Faith comes through hearing the spoken word of God. He had a relationship, and that relationship caused him to be translated from this life into the next without dying. You know, we all have a hope of the resurrection when we have a hope that even if the end should come before we die, we'll be translated, we'll be transformed as Enoch was. And both come through faith. And faith comes through hearing. Are you starting to see why Paul is so adamant about faith and not works of the law? Show me one instance in the book where someone is transformed from this life to the next by adhering to the law. It was not on the basis of law that he was transformed. It was on the basis of his relationship with God that he was transformed. Now it says, and I love the next one, Noah is one of my favorites because he shows so many things about faith. It says, by faith, when when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You know, Noah is this amazing example of faith through hearing. It says he was warned. God warned him. He heard the voice of God. That's how he was warned. He's also this great example of persevering in faith. It took Noah years to build this ark. He built it where there was no water to launch the boat. He must have looked like an idiot, right? Think about it. God speaks to him, and for 30 or 40 years, he builds a boat. Nobody knows for sure how long, but he builds, and he builds. There's no menards in order to order your lumber from, (laughs) right? No, he gathers the wood. He goes out. He cuts down the trees. He splits the woods into beams and into planks, and he builds an ark. And during this whole time, he faces the ridicule of everybody around him. All of this on the spoken word of God. He had faith, and that faith condemned those who ridiculed him. However, you know, if you're going to talk about faith, you've got to talk about Abraham. So who does he talk about next? He talks about Abraham. Listen to what he says. By faith... to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God, and by faith Abraham, even when he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become the a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and as good as dead, he came, became the came the descendants of numerous as stars in the sky and countless. As the sands on the seashore. Abraham, living in a city that worshiped many gods, hears God and becomes a man, this man of faith, beloved by God. And God, God's promises to him are still coming to be in this very day and won't cease to come to be until the end of the Messianic kingdom and then even beyond. He persevered even unto death, even though God's promise was not yet fully manifest in his life. He had faith, and his faith came through hearing. Not the word of God quoted back to him, or reading, or hearing, but he had faith because God spoke to him. He heard the voice of God. Listen to Paul's discourse about Abraham. Abraham. In Galatians chapter 3, he says, Consider Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That blessing to the nations is still coming to be. Abraham didn't see the fullness of the blessing. And faith comes through hearing, not through observing Torah. Abraham had no Torah except that which came through hearing. He had no rabbinic interpretations for keeping Torah, no Mishnah. He spoke with God. He prayed. Think of prayer for a minute. He didn't have the temple prayers. He didn't have the Shema and its blessings. No Amidah, no standing prayer. But what he did have was a true relationship with God. He found a quiet place and he spoke with God. He had a relationship with God to show him the way. So Paul says in verse 6 of Galatians chapter 3, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. Look at Galatians. Observing the law requires no faith. No, as in hearing from God, no need to consult God. Just trust your rabbi and the traditions that you've learned from birth. They will teach you Torah. They will teach you how to pray. You never once have to go find that quiet place because they give you this book full of prayers. You never have to find that quiet place and have a conversation with God as these men in Hebrews did. To keep the law, you only have to follow the example of your elders. But the question that you might have, the question that you might ask is how do I know what they're teaching me is pleasing to God? You know, Yeshua thought much of what the rabbis taught was not so wonderful. Some yes, some no. And Yeshua came as the prophet like Moses, who spoke the very words of God. He didn't agree with all that they taught. For Scripture says, and Scripture says, anyone who does not listen to the words that the prophet speaks in God's name, God himself will call him to account. This prophet's words outweigh all other messengers. That's how we began all of this, remember? His walk through life outweighs all other walks. His Torah observance outweighs all other Torah observances. Yet, if we read the accounts of his life, we find that they call him rabbi. You know why they call him rabbi? Out of respect, because there's no recorded rabbinic training. No record of him studying in the house of Hillel or Shammai. But what we do have recorded is is he studied in the quiet of his talks with God. We have this amazing example of faith in the Messiah. And it came just as all of these others through hearing the words of God. Through getting away to his quiet place and speaking with his father. Does the Torah provide a way for you to follow Yeshua and still be Torah observant? Yes, it does. We just just spoke of it. This is the prophet like Moses and you must listen to him. He will teach you how to follow Torah. He will teach you how to pray. But it's by faith that you accept him and follow him. You see, he's unseen. You know. He's now is only words on paper, a piece of paper, until you accept him into your life. And let me say that. Even after you accept him into your life, after you experience his love and his forgiveness, he'll only return to being, he'll return to being words on, on a piece of paper unless you build relationship with him through prayer. And here comes, here, a the times that we talk about country, it's, In the next few verses, it says, All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things are looking for a country of their own. If they had not been... thinking of a if they had if they had been thinking of the country they had left they would have had the opportunity to return instead they were longing for a better country a heavenly one and you see the problem in looking at the translation here is we have this word country occur three times but it's not the same word in the greek the first occurrence means homeland and the last one actually means heaven Let's read this again. Verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died, and they did not receive things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. These men, particularly Abraham, all died without the fullness of the promise that God had given them coming to be. And by this, the author is saying to the Hebrews, hold on! Even if you don't see these things that God has promised in your lifetime or in your time frame, that time frame you think should happen. Because God has His own time frame. And let me say something. He's already said, faith shouldn't rely on seeing things happen or seeing things at all because faith is confidence in what is unseen. And so true faith perseveres even in the face of death. Even in death, you look to heaven just as Stephen did before he was stoned and saw the gates opened up for him and Messiah standing, waiting for him. It goes on to say, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. That word country here means homeland. They're looking for a homeland of their own. I don't consider this my homeland. If it is, I would change a whole lot of things. He's saying that what you see here on earth is not your country. Not your world. Not your kingdom. But you are here in search of your homeland. You should prepare yourself and live by the rule of the rulers. The rules of the ruler. Of that homeland, we, like the patriarchs, need to consistent, constantly be looking toward what is truly real—the kingdom of heaven. That's our home, true homeland, and we should not give up the search. Verse fifteen says, "If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one." The added heavenly one, because that word "country" there should actually be heaven. This is saying literally to these Hebrews, he's telling them, don't give up. If they persevere until their end, they're beloved by God. So hold on. These people persevered until their death and are beloved by God. So hold on. For you too are hoping for a better country, a better city, a better tabernacle, a better priesthood. All the things that we've read about in this book that God has promised. Now, this is the part I love. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Because they heard the voice of God and they obeyed God, because they, like Enoch, walked with God, he's not ashamed to be called their God. Listen to what Exodus says in chapter 3, verse 4. He says, Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Because of their faith, and faith comes through hearing, he's not ashamed to be called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And here's a sobering thought that will get you thinking about your own life and your relationship with God, and more than likely, I hope, get you to start changing. Ask yourself would God want to be called the God of your name? Think about it, because here's the formula. We just read the formula for you. To hear, I am the God of Stan. I am the God of Steve. I am the God of Les or Nick. It comes to you as it did these men. Through hearing God. For faith comes through hearing the spoken word of God. And without faith, you cannot please God. So let's continue to look at this man who not only... God says, I am the God of Abraham, but he also calls him friend. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He had received the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob And Esau in regard to their future. Now, think, I mean, we're getting close to the end here, but think about this. Did Abraham read in the Torah that it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned? I mean, we can read that, right? But where did he get it? He listened to God. He heard God speak to him. He had, he heard the voice of God. Faith comes through hearing goes on to say, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were afraid of, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. How did Jacob know that the scepter would not depart from Judah? Hearing the word of God. By faith, Joseph gave instructions about his bones. He knew from God that they would be enslaved after after he died, but would be freed. So he says, take my bones with you. Right? He knew by the word spoken of Abraham. Yes, maybe. Spoken to Abraham. But also from hearing God from himself. Why? Why? Did he want his bones taken out of Egypt? Because he had faith in the resurrection. Moses' parents, by faith, and faith comes through hearing, hid Moses for three months. Why were they not afraid? Because hearing from God lets you know that everything is going to be just fine. Right? Right? It goes on to say, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Messiah as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. How did he know about Messiah? Messiah right? Not, not the Torah, but by hearing God. How did he know any one of these things? Well, I can tell you something. I'm going to tell you this right now. The burning bush was not the first time Moses heard from God. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. When the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. You see, it's all by hearing from God that he kept the Passover. He heard God and passed through the Red Sea. Stand still and you shall see the salvation God will bring you today. Verse 30 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them seven times. You see, by hearing and obeying God, they marched. Each and every one of these stories teach on a different manifestation of faith. Faith in action. Perseverance in the face of opposition. Faith in God, even though everything in the world tells you that God can't do what he said he's going to do. Faith in the face of death. Still trusting God will do what he said. So they each teach you about something different, but there's one commonality in each of these stories. And these stories, there's one common thread in the life of each and every one of these people in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And that thread runs true in each of the stories. They all heard the spoken word of God. They didn't read it. They didn't have it recounted to them. They themselves heard it. They didn't learn it to pray from a prayer book. They found a quiet place. They spoke with God and they had faith. They all knew God on a personal level. They all had some relationship with God. I ask myself, how do we read this stuff and think that we don't have to have this type of relationship with God? How can we read this and make no attempt as in, to in hearing from God and think that it isn't God's desire to speak to us? How can we read this and then say, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and make no attempt to hear from Him? Make no attempt to go to a quiet place and listen for His voice. When is the last time you heard from God? When was the last time you spent some quality time speaking with the Lord? Not just sitting there and telling, recounting all of your problems and all the grief in your life, but getting alone away with Him and all the shouting of the world, away from all the noise of this age, what is seen, and spend some time with Him who's unseen. One of the manifestations of your faith, one of the things that makes faith visible in your life is if you take some time each day to speak with the king. And I'm not talking about reading prayers from a prayer book, although that's valuable. Not just quoting someone else's prayer because the words are so eloquent, but I'm talking about just sitting alone and talking with the father, with Father, asking questions and waiting for the answer. Taking time to hear, to listen. Because you know God is real and He wants to have a relationship with His people. That's what this book is all about. (laughs) Friends, we need to be a people who hear from God. Not just at salvation and then switch to a pastor. But we need to be a people who develop a relationship with God. Amen.